I want you to say this with all your heart. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for the incorruptible word that is going to be shared today. We thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word to impart spiritual truths unto your people. And so we thank you, Father, that revelation knowledge, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and even, Father, things that we know not of will come forth as we yield to your Spirit. Holy Spirit, you have permission to do whatever you need to do as you share our hearts and our minds and our ears are open to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Well, as stated earlier, we are starting a new series entitled Back to the Basics. Say that with me. Say Back to the Basics. And the purpose of this series is to teach those who may not know how to live an enjoyable, spirit-filled life, reignite those who have lost their zeal and passion for God, and remind others of how awesome life is when we are at the top of our spiritual game. I'm going to say that again. This thing has three purposes to it. The first one is to, first of all, teach those who may not know how to live an enjoyable spirit life. Some people don't know how to do that. They've never been taught. So we're going to teach those how to do that. Then we're going to reignite those who have lost their zeal and passion for God. There are some people who have been sidelined spiritually. And my goal through this series is to reignite you. Amen. And then the last one is to remind others of how awesome life is when we're at the top of our spiritual game. Remember how life was when you were at the top of your spiritual game? Nobody could get on your nerve. I mean, the blessings were flowing. I mean, you would pray for something, and before you finished praying for it, bam, it was right there. Remember that? Well, when you're at the top of your spiritual game, all things are possible to him that believes. So our goal for today's lesson is to understand the foundation that it takes for living a victorious, spirit-filled life. So I want you to do this. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. I have an awesome message for you this morning. This morning we came in and the lights were not on. And so they had to figure out how to get them on. Anytime I have distractions like that, I know the word's going to be good. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. I'm telling you this morning's word is going to really bless you. Hebrews chapter 2. Sometimes we must go back and reevaluate where we are so that we can position ourselves for spiritual momentum. Everybody say spiritual momentum. I'm going to say this is point number one. I'm a point type of preacher. Sometimes we must go back. Say go back. We must go back and reevaluate where we are so that we can position ourselves for spiritual momentum. And in Hebrews chapter 2, look in verse 1. This is what it says. Therefore, we... Ought to give the most earnest heed or pay attention 
to the things which we have what? Heard. Is that past, present, or future tense? Okay, that's past tense. He's saying we need to be careful to take heed to the things which we have heard. Watch this class. Lest at any time we should what? Let them what? Slip. So there is a possibility that there are some things that you learned in the past that were very important to your spiritual life and momentum. It is possible to have learned those things and they slip away from you. How many know what I'm talking about? Where you used to pray consistently and now you pray every now and then. Where you used to read God's word consistently and now you just read it because you feel guilty about not reading. Amen. All right, turn to Psalm 68. Psalm 68, very quickly. Psalm 68. Salvation has many benefits associated with it. Salvation has many benefits associated with it. Psalm 68, I want to now look in verse 19. Psalm 68, 19. Watch this now. It says, Blessed be the Lord who weekly, come on class, who daily loads us with what? So God has benefits. Do you know God has benefits that go along with serving him? And it says that he daily loads us with those benefits. That's what I declare in my life. I don't want to see weekly benefits. I want to see daily benefits. And so it says here that he daily loads us with benefits. Watch this now. It goes on to say, even the God of our salvation. So our salvation package includes some benefits. Now, one of the benefits, of course, is going to heaven. But, but, but God wants us to experience some things here on earth while we're on our way to heaven. Amen. Now, go real quickly to Psalms 51. Go to Psalm 51. Just go backwards. Psalm 51. One of the benefits of salvation is joy. Say joy. joy. Psalm 51. Look now in verse 12. I'm going to start in verse 12 and then I'm going to jump down. Psalm 51 verse 12. It says, uh, look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the what? The what? He said, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. So being saved ought to be a joyful experience. Now, I want you to notice something. Let me read that out of the message translation. I really liked it. Because that word joy means cheerfulness and rejoicing. Listen to what it says in the message translation. God, make me a fresh start. Well, let me read it again. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from my chaos of life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Boy, I like that. What he was saying is, God, I need you to refresh me. And notice he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation, which means you can lose your joy if you don't watch it. And there are many things in life that takes believers joy and we don't even know it's gone till it's gone. Amen. Now go to Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. You all are being a good class this morning. I believe I'm going to finish my lesson. Isaiah chapter 12. Uh, chapter 12 
And then we're going to look in verse 3. If you're taking notes. Isaiah 12, 3. Here's the point I want to make. Salvation should be a joyful experience. Salvation should be a joyful experience. Isaiah chapter 12. Look in verse 3. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, watch this now. He says, therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the what? Wells of salvation. In other words, God desires salvation to be a joyful experience and not drudge. In other words, we shouldn't wake up in the morning as Christians and just hate to get up in the morning. Amen. Now. Many believers have lost their joy somewhere down the line. Go now to Jeremiah. Just go, uh, go forward. Go to Jeremiah chapter 15. Some believers have lost their joy. Here's a question I have. This is not my main point, but this is a point. What took your joy away from you? You used to smile. You used to be the office encourager. And now you're the office complainer. I mean, people used to come to you for scripture. They used to come to you for lifting up. And now they see you and keep going. What happened? I mean, what situation in your life has taken your joy? And I can appreciate the old school song. Remember that old school song? You know, uh, uh, this joy I have. Come on. The world didn't give it to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if you're from the Baptist roots, you understand that, right? Right, yeah, yeah, you have to, mm, 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 mm. I was Presbyterian, we didn't do all that, all right? But here's the deal. What took your joy? Was it the divorce you went through? Or is it diff- difficulty in your relationship right now that you're going through? But see, guess what? If you don't protect your joy, the world will take it. Now, Jeremiah 15, watch this now. I'm going to start in verse 15. It says, oh, Lord, you uh, know, remember me and visit me. And revenge me out of my persecutors. Take me not away from thy long suffering. Know that for your sake I have suffered rebuke. Thy words were found. He's talking about God's word. He said your words were found and I did eat them. And your word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. In other words, to get back to the basics, the basics start with the word. If you notice, he said, the word is what I found. I ate the word. And when I ate the word, joy came back into my life. And guess what? The word is the beginning of the joy. Now, see, the word of God is like liquor. How many got drunk before? Let me see your hand. Now, I know more people in here got drunk before. Now, I didn't say, did you get drunk last night? I just asked, did you, come on, I'm going to ask the question again. How many got drunk before? Let me, thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I don't want you lying in church. Lord, forgive their sins in Jesus' name. <laughs> but see, in order to stay drunk, you got to keep drinking. With a, well, in order to keep your joy, you got to keep reading. Let me read the verse again. He says in verse 16, your words were found. I did eat them and your word was unto me. What? Joy. Joy. Amen. That's a good word right there. So watch this now. The word produces joy. Getting back to the basics means I got to get back into the word. Watch this. You can't have salvation without Jesus, right? You can't have Jesus without the word, right? 
Okay, watch this. Go to Romans chapter 1. Let me show you something real quick. Romans chapter 1. Going back to the beginning. See, we have to understand the only way you got saved is by listening to the word. Somebody drug you in church, and even though you weren't paying attention, that preacher somehow got a hold of your mind. That word went in. You opened up your heart. You confessed with your mouth, and you got saved. Romans 1.16. Watch what it says. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God until salvation to everyone that believes. In other words, the gospel, which is the word, is full of power. So once I reconnect myself with God's word, the power level in my life goes up. Amen. Now, go to John chapter 1. Well, you don't have to go there. I'm going to tell you what it says. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word what was God. So the, so if the word had to be preached to receive salvation, then salvation starts with the word. If salvation starts with the word, then the word must be the cornerstone for my spiritual existence. In other words, the word should be more important than those videos you're watching. The word should be more important than those, you know, men. I know we into the Xbox and all that. And that's wonderful. You know, you can play online. You can play other people in different states and all that. And that's wonderful. But you know what? I wonder how much time do you spend in the word versus an Xbox? Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you have an Xbox? Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you'll never know because he ain't coming to my house. (laughs) Now... Let me show you something that's real dynamic. Now, now, I need you to catch what I'm about to say. Because this is, this is for some of the seasoned people in the room. Knowing we must do something. See, this is what happens to people. We know we, how many know we're supposed to read the Bible? Let me see your hand. See, everybody know that. Everybody know that. That's a, just tell your neighbor, say, we know, that. we know that. So, knowing we must do something can cause three different emotional effects. Either it'll cause joy... It'll cause guilt or it'll cause responsibility. Write that down. Joy, guilt, um, and responsibility. What were they, class? In other words, here's my point. Knowing that we have to do or we must do something can cause one of those three reactions. Now, watch this now. Joy is when the passion and excitement in doing something for something or someone for some reason exceeds any form of temporary discomfort. In other words, when you have joy in doing something, the passion and excitement in doing it outweighs the short-term discomfort. In other words, you are happy to do it because what you're going to receive down the road is more exciting than the temporary discomfort. It's like losing weight. You know, you really get motivated when that first five pounds come off and you start swaggering. See, you weren't swaggering at first. You was waggering. But now you swaggering because you done lost that five. And what it did, it pushed that confidence. And so the joy of the program that you're in makes life a little better because now you can see it. So now you joyfully don't eat some things because you're getting compliments from people. Are y'all with me? Okay. You can also write this down. You can say doing something because I want to. That's what really joy is. I do it because I want to. And that's what Jesus did. The Bible says, 
In Hebrews 12, 2, you can write that down. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before us endured the cross. So Jesus endured the cross because he had some joy on the inside. Now, the next one is guilt. Everybody say guilt. Now, this is the negative feeling that we can come with when we don't do something we feel we're supposed to do. I'm going to say that again. Guilt is a negative feeling that comes when we don't do something we feel we're supposed to do. Or, in short, it's doing something because I'm supposed to. Now, then number three is responsibility. That's something that is done because I have an obligation to do it. In short, that's doing something because I have to. And guess what? That's where most believers are right now when it comes to reading their, reading their Bible. Most people have lost the joy of reading. So they're either doing it out of guilt or they do it. Most of them don't do it out of guilt. They'll do it out of responsibility. And see, responsibility says that's something I do because I have to. But let me show you the problem with responsibility. Responsibility usually calls habits. In other words... My trash day is on Thursday. It's on Monday and Thursday. I habitually know that that's trash day. I go in my garage. I get the trash cans that have trash in it. I take it out and I sit it on the same curve in the same spot. And on that day, even though the time fluctuates, the trash men are going to come and pick my trash up. In other words, I have now, I've been living at this location now for almost five years. Guess what? They, it's a habit now for me. I don't have to think about it. It's something that I'm going to do. And so responsibility can cause habits to be formed or what I would call consistency. Then consistency creates routine. Everybody say routine. Now watch this now. Routine leads to boredom. And then boredom leads to bondage. I'm going to say it again because I'm going to break something down for you all. I'm going somewhere. Touch your neighbor. Say neighbor. He's going somewhere. Listen to what I'm saying. This is for the seasoned people in the room. This is for people who've been saved for years. And you've gotten familiar with Jesus. Responsibility can cause habits to be formed or consistency. Consistency creates a routine. Routine can lead to boredom. And boredom leads to bondage. Nobody wants to do something that they feel they are made to do. So watch this. Because many believers know they're supposed to read the Bible and pray and attend church, this responsible act turns into a boring routine. But I asked the Lord why. I said, Lord, why does, that, why does that happen like that? Why is it that here it is, we were on fire. We were a ball of fire, man, that fire just started going out. I mean, you were so on fire, man, they didn't even need to... To ask nobody for a cigarette lighter. They just come and touch the cigarette with your arm and pss, that thing light right up. You just start, they just start smoking. You ain't need a lighter. Just touch yourself. Bam. Go to the stove. You ain't got, you know, you got a gas stove. You got to click that thing. Click, 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 click. You ain't got to do that. You just put your finger up there. Boop. That boop. And now we don't know what happened to your fire. Now watch this now. I asked the Lord why. And this is what he said. Because the end result is not the doing of the routine, but in knowing God and getting closer to him. Right, exactly. Okay, let me, because I, I think y'all missed that. In other words, I'm going to say it again. 
The end result is not to read your Bible. The end result is to get closer to God and to know him more. But see, if you think that the routine, the end of it is to read the Bible, then it will become a bondage because now you're doing something, but the real reason in you doing it, you're missing it. The reason in doing it is drawing closer to God. So now, instead of me reading because I need to read five chapters because that's what my, uh, you know, my study time, my quiet time says. I got my little daily bread and I'm reading it and I'm going through the chapter. And I read what they said and I even read the little clip notes that they got down at the bottom, the little saying. Well, that's not the end result of your quiet time. Your quiet time end result ought to be, I know him more today than I did yesterday. I understand his love for me more now than I did yesterday. Amen. So, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians. Did y'all get that? Okay. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Guess what, class? We are spiritual beings and we are designed to live a consistent spiritual life and not a consistent life in the flesh. We are spiritual beings. Say spiritual beings. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you're there, say, I'm there. Look in verse 23. He says, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray that God, to God, that your whole spirit and what? Soul and what? Body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He just described who we are. He says, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body. Say that with me. Say. That is the order. That you. That the real you is. I, I know that's not good English. But I'm going to say that anyway. In other words. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And because you got saved. God put his spirit inside of you. And now that spirit is supposed to guide you. So you are really a spirit being first. Now go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we've been created to live a life where our spiritual man is supposed to lead the way. See, let me tell you something what happens. When life as a Christian becomes a routine, then you stop now being led by the spirit and what happens, you start functioning according to the flesh. And that's what's happening in churches. The pastor and all the people are having to cater to everybody's flesh. Oh, sit her right there because she don't, she going to have an attitude. So, oh, we got to sit her right there. And then, you know, Sister Dance a lot comes in. And she got to have an aisle seat because she going to dance. And if she don't get her aisle seat so she can dance, Sister Dance a lot going to be mad a lot. In other words, we start catering to the flesh. Now, watch this Galatians chapter 5. Are you there? Look in verse 25. Let me show you something here. It says, if we live in the spirit, then let us do what? Walk in the spirit. Now, you're probably saying, Pastor, what in the world does it mean to walk in the spirit? I'm going to show you. Go to Galatians 5, look in verse 16 now. Watch this now. He says, this I say, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So right there, that tells me, that'll let me know if I'm walking in the spirit of the flesh. But the fruit of what I'm doing. Now, here's the sad thing. Let, let me just list some of them. I'm not going to list them all, but I thought this was interesting. Look now in verse 20, Galatians 5, 20. 
Well, look in verse 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. In other words, he's about to describe what it looks like to walk in the flesh. And see, some of y'all are in the flesh, man. You ain't been in the spirit so long, you forgot what it feel like. I mean, when you're in the flesh, I see some of y'all talking about each other's mama. You married and you talking about her mama. And you mean it too. Come on now. Y'all wearing each other's mama out. Well, your mama this. Well, your mama that. Well, come on now. Somebody, it's quiet in here, ain't it? When's the last time you talked about somebody's mama? (laughs) Watch this now. What's the first word in verse 20? Well, he says, now, works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery. Everybody knows what that is, right? Fornication. Everybody knows what that is. That's sex without being married. What's the next one? Uncleanness. The next one is lasciviousness, which that's all kind of perverted sins from pornography and all that kind of stuff. All right. Watch the next one. What's the next one? Idolatry. That means image worship or idol worship or anything that you have put before God. Okay, that's real simple. What's the next one? Witchcraft. Now, I know none of us are voodoo doctors and stuff in here. So, you know, we read the word witchcraft. And say, oh, that's, I, don't, that's, that's, I don't do that. But see, you don't understand what it means. That word witchcraft, when you look the word up in the Greek, it's the Greek word formica, which we get our, our English word pharmacy from. So guess what witchcraft means? The administering of drugs. And that's why every other Sunday or so, I might talk about people smoking weed. We still got weed smokers in here. <laughs> one of them just laughed back there somewhere. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I'm just messing with y'all. I don't even know who did it. I'm just messing with you. Said, but we do have some weed smokers though now. Now, you may not be smoking weed. So if I say it, don't worry about it. If you ain't smoking, let it go. But we got some people using witchcraft up in here. Now, we think witchcraft is no, no, no. Witchcraft is when you, that's witchcraft. That's administering drugs. What's the next one? Come on, class. What's the next one? Hatred. Now, that's being an enemy to someone or towards someone. You know, that's where you just feel like everybody hating on you. Everybody not hating on you. You just think everybody's hating on you. Then number four, this is the one I really want to kind of talk about a little bit, and then we're going to jump into the solution on this thing. What's the next one? Various. I ain't never used that word before in my life. How about you? I don't walk around saying, you sure did act various today. <laughs> so I have to break the word down for y'all because we don't use that stuff. The word various means conflict resulting in rivalry. It means discord and strife. It means contention from arguing. Now, how many has had an argument lately? Let me see here. Anybody? Oh, praise the Lord. See, you, that means you was in the flesh. Now, what's the next one? Huh? Jealousy. That word jealousy means exactly that. It means jealousy. We ain't got to define that one, do we? Now, in my Bible, there's one that says emulations. Do y'all see that? Yes. I'm going to stop on this one, I think. That means to defend with zeal or to become defensive. Yes. Yes. Have you ever had to deal with something with somebody and they just defensive? Yes. They ain't listening to what you're saying. Right. 
They just defending. Come on now, y'all know what I'm talking about. You get in an argument. <laughs> I'm looking at the couples, that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> well, we got one man, he's got his arm around his wife, praise the Lord. Everybody put your arm around your wife real quick. Praise the Lord. Give her a kiss on the jaw real quick. Give her a kiss. Babe. Hmm. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mr. Derrick knows me too. Watch this. Uh, I thought this was interesting. What's the next word? What's the next word? Wrath. You know that word wrath means fierceness, passion. It means to start breathing hard. No, I'm serious. It also means to get physical. That's when you start throwing stuff. Somebody been throwing stuff up in here. Somebody done put a hole in the wall. I see holes in people's walls in here right now. Watch this. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. How many got holes in the wall from punching or throwing something? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, six, seven, eight. All right, good. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much for being honest. Here's the last one. Breathing hard. I'm going to knock you up. You better leave me alone. I'm so tired of you. I'm going back to my mama. My wife can't, she can't go back to her mama. <laughs> She's stuck like Chuck right now. <laughs> the next one is seditions. I thought this was interesting. I'm still talking about going in the flesh. I'm almost done here because some of y'all, y'all got me sweating up here. The word sedition means division or disunion. This is the spirit that normally causes divorce. See, when sedition, that means, that means division. It means disunion. It's where the enemy will use anything he needs to to pull you and your wife apart. And see, we don't know. That's a spirit. And he will use circumstances. Watch this now. He will use circumstances to cause that spirit to jump on you to create disunion and division. Here it is. Y'all was fighting over something. And then all of a sudden the D word comes out. How you going to get divorced out of you didn't give me some gas money this week? Now, what is the remedy for a consistent life in the flesh? Because, see, next week, next week, I'm going to focus on what it takes to live a life in the spirit. It's a good life. It's a good life. Now, what I found when routine gets sick, because I'm a very routine person. I mean, it's, you can, man, you can just follow me. I'm going to do the same thing every day, pretty much. But, see, <laughs> you need to stop, man. It's good. It's on the CD now. <laughs> she know. I mean, that's just me. I mean, I'm going to do the same thing. That's just, I'm very predictable. So you know how I'm going to respond because that's just me. I'm going to do the same way every time. I'm going to be up pretty much the same time every day. If you want to call me as a member, just you'll get me between 8 and 9 for the most part. Unless somebody's on the phone, I don't click over because I forget who, I, who clicked over when I click over. So just leave a message and I'll save it and get back with you. But here's the thing. There's my clock. I'm right at the end of my point. 
What is the remedy for a consistent spiritual life? Number one is you got to pray before you say. Before you say anything to anybody, before you respond to your boss, before you deal with any situation, when you feel your flesh rise, because you know you can feel that thing coming up. You can feel it. When you feel it coming up, don't say what you want to say. Because if you say what you want to say, you are going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you got to pray before you say, you say, what do you mean, pastor? This is what you're going to do. Lord, right now, I tell you what, I want to slap my boss all the way to Japan and back. Please help me. Spirit of God, I need your help. Strengthen me now to say the right thing. Help me to walk in love towards this person. See, in my case, I done already decided what I'm going to do when somebody's trying to push that button and help me go to the devil level. I done already figured out what I'm going to do. I might scare them, but I'm going to do it. If they start acting ugly on me, because, you know, it just happens to me. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I get pulled over. Did I tell you I got pulled over by the cops on my way to Houston? Y'all got time for this story? Yeah. You know, I'm driving to Houston. And, you know, my pastor called me and said, hey, come up here and, you know, come and listen to me teach. And I was like, praise the Lord. I never drive. But it was so last minute, I was not going to pay all that money for that plane ticket. So I got in the car. And I put it on cruise control. Now, I already know that I kept my car looks, you know, kind of profilish in terms of trying to figure out what kind of person I am in the car. Okay? I'm used to that. So that's why I put it on cruise control. So I'm just cruising, and I cruise right by state trooper. And it don't bother me. My heart didn't jump, nothing. <laughs> I'm on cruise control. Ain't no big deal. Then I see him pulling out. Still ain't fine. Ain't bother me. I see a rest stop. I need to use the bathroom. I pull over to the rest stop. Here his lights coming. I pull over. He don't even ask me for driver's license and insurance. Can you get out of the car, please? I'm like, what the? Can I get out of the car? But you know me. I know that the devil wants me to go to the devil level on this car. I ain't going to do it. So I get out of the car, and he says, I stopped you because you don't have a license plate on the front of your car. Now, that's illegal here in Texas if you didn't know it. But if you also don't notice, they don't make cars now, some of them, with license plates on the front. So I knew this day was coming. So I put my driver's license plate in my truck. And so while he was checking my insurance, and then he did have the nerve and a mitigated gall to ask me, is this your car? I wanted to say, no, it's yours, officer. You want the keys? <laughs> I didn't do that. I wanted to do that. That is the flesh. That is the flesh. That is the flesh. I felt it coming. I kept it right here, right here, right here. So he got to the car checking. I ain't got no tickets. I ain't got no warrants. I ain't scared. But I opened my trunk to get my driver's license plate so he could see I got a plate. He comes back to the car. I said, officer, let me show you something. I said, come here. I took him to the front of my car. I said, do you see a place on that front of that car to put that plate? He said, I sure don't. I said, I don't either. And I am not drilling a hole on the front of my car. He said, I'll just give you a warning. I said, thank you very much, sir. Have a good day. Yeah. Now, 
had he got ugly with me, I already know what I'm going to do. I have a planned double level response for all y'all. If he'd have got ugly with me and say, what you doing down here? I would have been like, oh, no, bro, set Hallelujah. Oh, I bless you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, glory. Woo. pray. Lord, I love this man right here. That dude, I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a story for y'all. Y'all watch. Now, if you're visiting, I speak in tongues, so, you know, we're going to talk about that in this series. So if you don't know what it is, come on back, because I'm going to teach you how to do that. Because when you learn how to do that, man, devil don't know what you're talking about. So they're probably going to be looking at me like, ooh, what is he doing? What is he doing? What is he saying? Oh, he's from Africa. Ooh, maybe he's a Cambodian. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> how do I begin my spiritual journey? You got to pray before you say you have to avoid devil-level moments with a spiritual response. That was number two. Then number three, you must do unto others as they did not do unto you. Now, I know the scripture said do unto others as they would have, as you, they would, what is it? Y'all know what it is, right? But I'm saying do unto others as they did not do unto you. In other words, they cussed you out. Don't do that to them. And then number four. You got to kill the flesh by doing the opposite of what it wants to do. Can I tell you a secret? I'm going to close right here. I feel the Spirit of God prompting me to let you know that right after devil-level moments and intense situations, blessings come. It's a time for promotion. But some of us don't get promoted because we flunk. So we got, guess what happened when you flunk? Some of y'all, y'all know, y'all repeated to sixth grade. We got some repeated offenders in here. But promotion comes. And I believe, just keep, don't expect bad stuff, but just keep your watch out. And don't let the devil push you overboard. Just remind him, oh, you ain't worth this. In fact, I want you to do something good for your hater today. This week, that girl knows she's getting on your nerves. She know it. Bring her a Chili's lunch card. Hey, girl, just wanted to bless you with lunch this week. Don't go out with her now. I ain't say do that now. Just give her the card and be on about your way. Did y'all get something out of today's message? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here today. And you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior.